All right, guys, it's great to be back in the hot seat for the Map Life Podcast, Season 2, Part 2. We had a little hiatus at the end of 2022. Lots going on in the map office, out there in the real world as map makes its impact. But now we're coming thick, heavy, fast, and inspired as we bring to you some of the greatest stories that we've brought to the podcast, some of the greatest interviews that we've brought to the podcast. And I cannot wait for you guys to enjoy, to extract, and to envelop yourself in the worlds of these high, high-class performers and see and, and get a sense of how they do it and what kind of processes that you could apply to your particular lifestyle, culture, Whatever it is that you're working on, your vision, your goals, your dreams, how can you apply what the greats have applied so that you too can achieve the dream? Kicking us off for part two is an audio and visual experience. Now you can head across to the Corners of the Earth YouTube channel and watch this interview that we did up here in Byron Bay at the incredible High Life Cafe in the middle of town. If you're up here, oh my God, it is the greatest. However, if you can only get the audio, the experience, the stories, the immersion into the northeast of Russia, coming to you from Spencer Frost, Guy Willamette, Letty Mortensen, Fraser Dovell, the boys, the crux of this team, Luke Nella, obviously the producer was there as well. In the background, making sure that we uh, we hit the right notes, said the right stuff, and didn't say some of the right stuff. He gave us pretty much a 99% all clear on everything, and so we went deep into the weeds. We went so far out of their comfort zone that we really pushed some of those questions. We took a lot of uh, of conversations to the absolute maximum, where these guys have been interviewed time and time again. And they are continuing to spread the love and the word of this incredible, extraordinary film, Corners of the Earth. This is the second iteration of their Into the Wild Adventures and Surfing. The first one was up in Iceland, a corner of the earth. This time, as I said, the northeast of Russia during wartime. We're here to get right into it. But to start with, what I want to talk to these guys about is the support that you guys got from the incredible sponsors, the major sponsor of Project Blank. Um, how did you get those guys on board and why those guys, Benny Frosty? Before we kick into this week's episode, I just want to say thank you to our season two sponsors, Project Blank, Electric Eyewear and Hybration Organics. Now, Project Blank, as we all know, the greatest eco sports and lifestyle goods on the market. And if you use the code MAPLIFE at checkout, 20% of that order is being gifted to Surfrider Foundation, who obviously are doing incredible work up and down our coastlines to keep them safe, for us to swim and surf in, and really lobbying hard to make sure that it stays that way for future generations. Electric eyewear, the greatest shades on the market, you know, they're resin that they're putting inside those lenses, the experience wearing them is amazing, they look amazing. You know, Electric California have just always been on the cusp of cool and they've come on board this season 
and provided us with some shades, which, as I said, they are fantastic. I feel great in them and I enjoy them. And Hydration Organics, again, season one and season two, they've come on board. Their medicinal mushroom cacao blends are the best on the market. The flavor is incredible. And the physiological benefits of that for your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit, phenomenal. Get your hands on some. Again, Map Life at checkout for all three sponsors, right? Map Life at checkout. Go out, support that, support your own self, right? Or your friends by getting them something from those websites. But they're also coming together for the gift pack at the end of the season. How do you win that? One, follow the Map Life Instagram page. Two, like the post associated with this episode. And three, Tag our three sponsors, Electric Eyewear, Project Blank, Hybration Organics, and then comment on your favorite takeaway from the episode. It's that easy. One, two, three, and it's all yours. Good luck and enjoy the show. Um, yeah, so Project Blank is a little wetsuit company out of Australia. And um, yeah, they've got a kind of eco-friendly thing going about them and they've, they've always supported all of us and um yeah we kind of pitched this project to them and uh it was a big ask of them to come on as like the leading sponsor and um from the start they just said let's go and um yeah they basically custom made us wetsuits for the trip and we we're with them through the whole design process for um yeah for the wetsuits for like the coldest water you can surf in those boys so yeah very thankful for them coming on board and couldn't have done it without them so would you say that uh, Project Blank uh, were aligned in, in values? I mean, I know you guys specifically, guys as well, very much aligned in terms of your values with the eco system and looking for support in the environment. Is that something that sort of led you into leading into talking to those guys? Definitely. I think what they're doing as a company is great. And I think like the biggest thing for us was like we had our vision and they supported that. And then for a brand that's doing the right thing with the environment, it was like, why wouldn't we want to jump on with them? It was just such a good opportunity. And I think it's like quite empowering for us when we pitch an idea and like someone backs you fully, like it's kind of empowering to yourself. And like, I know when someone else believes in you, it makes, makes shit happen in a way. Totally. I mean, we've talked on, on another podcast, myself and yourself, myself and yourself, very much about great companies trust the vision of the artist. You know, and in, and it sounds like in this case, you guys came up with this incredible vision, like, and Project Blank were like, we're in, we love the idea. And what kind of input did they have into the process of where you guys went to and what you did? Apart from the wetsuits, was there an input or was it just, we're going to let you guys charge up the wetsuits and, and let you do your thing? Yeah, they just basically, they had no kind of, creative input or input at all through the project. We just, we just basically said, we're doing this. Um, this is where we're going. This is who's coming. And they basically said, run wild. Um, yeah, which is kind of like a dream. If it's a dream for a sponsor or a brand to come on board and kind of give you that trust. And um, yeah, they trusted in us from the start and they're pretty happy with what we came away with. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about the trust that you'd already um, built with the original film, right? Corner of the Earth. And I think we're going to get to that in a moment. But what one of the big things that I was very impressed about, and as I said, fellas, this film is fucking extraordinary. Like, and the thing about it is, is that it runs the rewatch test. I watched it two nights in a row, 
and I enjoyed it more the second time than the first time, and I loved the first time. So I think that's when you know, because I mean, I watch Art of Flight and I'm over and over again. This is the kind of film that I want in my yeah. bank so I can watch it again and again. So I said, few people said that, eh? It's pretty yeah. baffling. Yeah. Like, like 90 minute film and you want to watch it twice yeah. and hopefully more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about, we'll get to that, what you learned from the first film to the second, but what this film really showed me about, uh, what it was about for me was two things. The uh, first thing we talked about was the values thing, which was ultimately unity for me. And you, you know, you're over in Russia in a time that was gnarly, but what this film came to show, and obviously you've got your crew here as well, that's come all the way from Russia, you know, all the guys, Anton and and Max and these guys that were part of it, is that 90% of the world are good people, right? And this show and this film really uh, for me it was one of the things i loved about it was the unity the surf culture and it was it was definitely around that that surf culture that brought, brings everyone together but ultimately it's just good people doing good things yeah and there's a lot of it right so that was the first thing the second thing fortune favors the bride <laughs> right so this, like is, that. this is twice now that we've gotten really really lucky like yeah. the first film i feel like we you know was a little bit of a miracle and then this one it's just you know keep happening and if you think about, yeah, if you think about what fortune favors the brave is, it's like there's those moments in life where you are tested. Mm. Your courage is tested, your will is tested, your vision is tested. How much do you actually want this or do you just kind of want it? And this happens with, high, as you guys know, as high-performance athletes, high-performance actors, whatever it might be, the guys that get to the top get to that precipice or that mark, or that barrier, that block, and they go, I want it more than the other guy. So let's move on. Let's go through no matter what this costs. Because you guys literally had to decide which what could have been life and death. Was it that? And for you guys, I'm going to aim this at the athletes specifically. But in that moment where you had to decide where you're going forward from, from Dubai, in that moment where you had your team meeting, I, it's an individual question. Was there a moment where you considered we could get shot down? Was there a moment you, where you considered the gnarliest expectation or um, the gnarliest thing that could have happened and you had to process that before you said yes to the mission? 100%. Like that hour was so up and down. We all kind of you know, just kept having meetings and we kept getting messages from everyone. And like the whole time I think you're thinking of the worst and you're going, well, is it, you know, doing this? It, I think it just put it into perspective for like, we're here to do a surf project. This is so much bigger than us. And it made it really hard to decide what to do. Like we were all, I mean, I'm glad we did it obviously, but at the time we were so up and down on it. But so how, how do you make that decision? Like individually, because like I said, I talk to guys who like, you know, ride big, big mountains, big waves. And they always say, you've got to look at worst case scenario and be okay with that and make the decision. But when in this case, worst case scenario is literally something pretty, pretty gnarly. How, how did you process that on an individual level? Cause I'm interested in the mind. You guys know I'm a mind guy. I think we all agreed as a group to just give it a crack and get fly to Moscow. And if we get turned away, we get turned away. But ultimately like we were confident that as a team, we could get through this and yeah. I think it probably would have been like a pretty different story if you were doing that trip solo though. You know what I mean? Like, man, having, having your best mates with you 
<clears throat> when it comes to those types of decisions can make it a lot like like more at ease, you know, but I don't know, like everything was so unknown. So it was impossible to like, I, we were just all guessing and, you know, the people at home and then even the people in Russia, like we didn't know what was happening. So it was like, I think we all just sat down and like took a breath and so for me, like, I don't know, it, Something was just like, you're going to be fine. Like if they're flying, if they're, if things are still going ahead, like, but that, I guess that's putting trust, like in the flight attendants, when the flight attendants freaked out, then I think we're all like, holy shit, because there's like, you put trust in the pilots, you put trust in people on the ground who like, and the process, yeah, you know, who were kind of, they're controlling what's going on. And so I think when we were grounded for long, like the decision was, for me, it was easy. Like, because I didn't, I don't know, there's a, how, how am I meant to know what's going on? And then when, but then when we were grounded for that four hours near Nam, I think, where were we? Abu Dhabi. For, and that was when it was like, holy shit, like, there's, we, you know, this is definitely a lot gnarlier than, I don't know. And you look at us in the movie, we're both yeah. wearing hoodies, but like, we're just covered in sweat. And like, you know, I don't think we actually made the call to, there's like a point in the movie where it's like, all right, are we doing this? And that's as we're like about to hand yeah. over our passports to get on the plane. Yeah, full and like ran to the ran to the yeah, yeah, yeah. gate. Like, so you guys are in that moment. You're at the gate, and you've kind of like edging, and you've said, "Okay, we're doing it." Because I I remember that moment. Like, there's a yeah. there's a breath in it. Yeah. You're on the plane. You get on the plane, and they sit you on the tarmac. Yeah, yeah. It was too sad. We're like, we're doing it, and then we're like, oh, maybe we're not doing it. Yeah, you know. At that point, I, I completely didn't think that we would fly. I thought we'd all have to stay in Abu Dhabi a few nights. Yeah, um, I remember in the film, you definitely yeah. said that. Because the, the trucks kept coming back to load stuff on and off. How many going, times did you say, oh, maybe we should get on those trucks? Well, no, people got off the plane. Yeah, and the flight attendants, the flight, flight attendants came and told us. It was, it was this Aussie girl. Yeah. She came, she's like, I can't believe you guys are staying. And we were just like, oh my God. We just like, how are any of us meant to know what to do in that position? You know, like, I, I don't know anyone else who's been in that position and, you know, they would, yeah, like, you just take it as it comes, I guess, like, and have full trust and faith and, you know, yeah. Well, you just mentioned two big things, right? Trust and faith, like, yeah. the value of trust starts with others process into self yeah. and goes from expressing that uh, from processing other people, which is what you guys, sounds like you did in your process. You, you kind of uh, segmented those particular moments and said, you know what? Yes, yes, I trust that. I trust myself. We're going to go for it. Yeah. And that creates that element of faith, which when you've got trust and faith, you can be present. Yeah. And that's the beauty of performance, that, that beautiful nexus point of trust and faith is where you get performance. And it, in those moments, you can only try and stay present because if you're thinking about what could happen in the future, what could happen, yeah, what's going to, yeah, all these sorry. things, you can, like you said, you put yourself into a sweat. Um, but, Leading into that, right, the synchro destinies of all of the things that had to happen for you to actually get in the door. I mean, even that phone call, I was talking to outside, right? The phone call, you've got the flight if you leave an hour later or if you get off the tarmac an hour later, you don't get in. We talk about fortune and the brave, like those moments of testing and testing because ultimately manifestation or bringing something to fruition that doesn't exist starts with words, then goes to belief, then goes to courage. Right. And you guys believe in the worth of the vision of the project, 
you believed in that it was worthwhile doing and then that courage is the test and you will be tested and you guys were given the ultimate test but then you get through and it's as we said it's probably the greatest experience of your life well look but you know this is where i want to cut to now it definitely was the best experience yeah. of your life. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, you know where That's I'm going with this, man. Like, <laughs> I've got a photograph on my screen saver of my computer, which uh, guys are a big fan of. The moment in Into the Wild when he sees the elk, he's in the wild and he sees the elk and the tears. Right. Yeah. It's my favorite piece of cinema in history. Yeah. And I see that again in this film with yourself when you experience that moment. Like on oh, the chopper, in the chopper, yeah. where like life's beauty just becomes overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Run me through like, and I know you might have expressed a little bit about about this, but the gratitude, well, just express that moment and what it meant to you, in terms of the presence that we've talked about before. Yeah, um, I get, I guess, like you, if. I, I don't know how long we had on that chopper, but it felt like a, like we were on there most of the day. But um, I think it was just like, you know, you, we started surfing when we were four or whatever. And like, I didn't know any of these guys. And then, you know, I don't know, at like 14, we became best friends. And at 15, we probably became best friends. And like, just the whole, I just remember just thinking of like the whole journey of like, just like where life has taken us in a way and um like to think that i started surfing and if you you know that cliche of like if you told me this five years ago i would have told you to fuck off like you know what i mean like with three of your best mates and like the most talented people and you know fraz and i like we we didn't have to do much for this you know we just had to hang in there and go for the ride with these boys and the, the amount of work that they put in behind the scenes that no one will ever know or see, and they don't need to see, but like when all that comes together, like it's, I don't know, it's like, it's crazy. You don't like, I don't, again, like I think if I think I didn't even know what to say and I still don't, it's just like that deep, like shaky, you know, feeling of like just gratitude of, of life and like where surfing and, and friendship has like taken us, yeah. Um, and you're not just sharing that with like a couple of randoms on a film project and you got invited on, you're sharing it with your best lads. Um, it's fucking the sickest thing ever, you know, like it's mental. It's like in that moment where you, you literally connect to the source of all things, right? When you've got yeah. the besties and the best talent yeah. all coming together in the best environment. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, how did I, what did I do to deserve this? Pretty, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what did I do to deserve this? And like, how are we here right now in this crazy place in the world on a chopper, on a surf trip, you know? Like, and what I do to deserve, <laughs> you know? Well, I think what, what that is, is, is that element of courage yeah. that you talked about. It's like, this is the feeling I get when I back myself, when I trust confidence courage moving forward into those things and this is what i get to experience and the body goes into that this is what you get man yeah it's yeah. like that Release. Like now you get tingly you know yeah yeah um it's really poetic and beautiful and i mean so how long have you guys you said at four you kind of hanging out you guys know no, so we, we'll start serving when we're four and then i don't know hanging out like 
we started competing against each other at probably 10 or 12 yeah and then started traveling together at 14 and then yeah you know surfing every day to get luck so so what is it what is it i'll start with you then what's it about phrase what are the elements of phrase that that stand him out the reason why he's one of you for your best buck sure is oh boy Say something nice about him. Oh, this is my most hated thing. Getting um, to the heart, though. I, I love saying I love the boys, but um, I think fra- like his courage on on doing things and like his um his leadership, for sure. Like he always just like wants to go go have a have a dig, and um to me like I definitely I think I appreciate that as a friend and like having someone to like help you know lead or like help lead me and like just feed me th- that courage and like the belief you know and um so i don't know and then just like yeah i don't know i think i think that my courage she's for sure do you send that really well oh. <laughs> i'm not gonna tell them people what i like about them I'm, I, I hate it i don't know why well you know, I, I love all the boys but it seems like you're a man of feeling rather than words yeah probably and you show that in the film and you express yourself with hugs and, and life and energy and you play that character really well because it's authentic. And I think that's you at your best, right? When you feel yeah, most yeah. comfortable to express yourself as who you are in that feeling and that energetic exchange. Yeah. And you, you talk about Fraser's courage, man. You, going into Fraser, you're, you know, as they say, a cold water veteran. Um, run me through for you, one, wanting to get back on board for a film that was so challenging the first time. Yeah. And then what is it about this second project that was just above and beyond everything else for you? I think like wanting to go back to cold places is just like, I love being by myself or with, you know, one of my best mates in the water, looking at snow, like so much has to go right to get good surf there. But when it does, it just feels so special. And I, I know I've said that a lot, but like, it just, it, it truly feels different to anything else there is in surfing. And I think that's what I really loved about it. And then when the boys came with, up with this one, it was just, it's a no brainer. Like for your three best mates get to go on a trip of a lifetime and do that. Like, of course I was going to say, like, yeah. of course I was going to say, yes, come to that. <laughs> Are you someone that, um, feels quite connected? Uh, when you're not surfing in terms of like either spiritually or through nature or like what's your relationship with connection because ultimately that's what you're mentioning with when you go into remote areas and things turn on for you at the right place at the right time that's that's you know for whatever your belief system is god given the uh, nature the universe whatever it is i don't feel connected when i haven't been surfing i think surfing is like something i use to feel like feel connected it's like i get out of rhythm when i'm not surfing a lot and like when I'm not putting myself into like elements, I mean, so I think that like I use surfing as a, pretty, as a tool to do that for sure. Is it the same in like bushwalks, mountains, yeah, snow? Completely, but particularly in the surf. Like it's, it's, it's the thing that me and Letty love like so, so much. So I think that the water's, the water's my preferred realm. <laughs> the mount, like we were saying, like when we're in the we're in the mountains and like all the guides there, they're obviously so amazing, like at what they do and and being in that in that space. But we just had no idea, and you feel so like powerless in that. Like you just like you got nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have gotten through the trail. 
and you kind of have to feel like you're at the mercy of it all, which gives you that state of presence that you're talking about before. I mean, Guy, I mean, you're someone that, that definitely connects deeply to nature. You know, you're a boulderer, you're a rock climber, you're a backcountry guy. It, tell me the difference in the experience, or if there is one, compared to, say, you know, the top of Mount P or out the backcountry there compared to something like this for you, like in terms of the depth of connection. On, on the trip? On the trip versus what you, you know, you're almost your training. The trip felt super raw. It felt like you were going to a place that had never really been explored before. Like it felt untouched in a way. Whereas a lot of the trips that we've done previously, like I wouldn't say they're busy areas, but people have been there before, but it really did feel like we were pioneers in a way, like, which was awesome. Cause that's like how we'd been inspired to do these trips are from people that have come before us. So to be in a place searching for waves, like in a, in a helicopter, with your best mates like exploring a coastline that's never been explored before it felt like unique for all of us and raw and real and scary and intimidating and you know you're flying past volcanoes with ash coming out the top it's like that's real wild nature and it was i think for spenny and i was like we've spoken about this before but it's like a mix of like trying to be in the moment be present and then also like capture moments within so it was like trying to find that balance of being there enjoying it but also like tell a story and create shots and, and videos and stuff. So it was like, it was definitely hard at times to like be present in the moment, but yeah, it's hard not to pinch yourself like in a place like that. Was the, was the flyovers of the volcanoes and stuff, was that all part of the, the, the B-roll plan or was it more just what the opportunity that presented? Uh, we were just shooting whenever we got a chance to. And every time we got in the helicopter, like whether we had, yeah, sometimes we thought we'd be able to set up a shot with like, yeah, the boys running to a chopper and it was just like, get in, go, we're going. So a lot of the time it was just whatever we can get, camera out the, like, um, yeah, out the door or out the windows and just filming the noun porn and yeah, <laughs> we, um, yeah, we, there was definitely a lot of dream shots that we really wanted to get that we eventually we just had to like throw them out the window because time or weather or budget or we just, yeah, we couldn't do it all, but yeah, we tried and I think, but in the end, I think we did pretty good in what we had and yeah. Yeah, I think you did okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. Just, just enough. Yeah, there's, you know, and again, just to shoot it to Guy, like, how, talking about the process of being, because, you know, you're a, the stills master, but I'm get, guessing you're obviously on the video on this one as well. Some of the, the questions that some guys had in terms of the, how you were, like, how do you decide I'm going to shoot stills? How do you decide I'm on video? Or is it, are you taking the still from the roar of the, of the video? And what was the percentage of, of the differences between I'm doing stills right now or I'm doing videos? For me, it was like leaving all the hero imagery to spend because he's just like a wizard at that stuff. And then for me, it was like in the hero moments, I'm going, going to do stills. And then if it's like more doco and we're on the run or in transit or in the heli, that's when I try and flick through both. Because like it was pretty much just the two of us the whole time. And we had Mishra over there who was amazing, a local guide and cinematographer. So he'd jump on board when he can. But a lot of the time it was just me and Spenny. So I was like... If Spenny's shooting a crazy shot out the portal window of the heli and then Letty's crying, it's like, he's got that covered. I'm going to focus on Letty. And it was just like balancing it out because it's, it is so hard. Like I mentioned you crying again. <laughs> well, I think that's one of our favorite moments of the trip, you know, but again, it was like, we were just trying to work with each other so much because there was so much to, to shoot and we actually didn't get to shoot a lot of the time. So when it was on, it was on and we were just trying to do everything. Cause like Spenny said before, it was like, the weather's in control there. Like there was times when we went to the coast on a heli trip and 
we camp there for the night, wake up, we're meant to be there for two or three days, and the pilots phone in and just say, hey, there's a storm coming, we've got to get you out. Like, we don't get a surf. They just come back, pick you up, take you to the lodge, storm's there for a week, and you're just like, okay, we haven't got anything to... Well, this is... I've got you know, some friends who have seen the movie too. They're like, oh, ask him this, oh, ask him this. <laughs> a couple of the things they were asking about was, what did you do in your downtime? And how? what kind of food did you eat? That's a good, so many people curious question. about yeah. the food, eh? We were curious before we left, actually. Um, Do you want to go? Oh, we just did heaps of snowboarding because yeah. we were staying at uh, like a snowboarding lodge and they had like a fun little run that all the boys could just muff around on. They gave us all snowboards for the two months. So um, whenever we had like a day off and it, it was like a full whiteout and you couldn't get to the beach, you could like this, the road was closed or something, we'd just be locked in the room and then it was just going snowboard basically like right next to the cabin what else did we do they had a hot tub and in the time the hot tub <laughs> yeah volcanic springs style down here yeah yeah not hot <laughs> nonsense which is cool um and then yeah we just basically on the down days like me and guy would get together a lot and like with max the like the kind of logistics guy and just plan out the week ahead or like the days ahead and then we'd kind of between us we'd like just be like what shots do we still need to get what do we need to still cover um charge batteries, do data, because it was just, once we'd go to the coast for like three days, there's no power or anything. So you have to just like rinse all your batteries, film all the cards. And then when you get back, you have to kind of pick up the pieces and get ready for the next trip. And, and the, but the days off didn't feel like days off. Like, and I know I wasn't dumping footage, but like we were still always fit planning, like you guys were planning shots and we were always talking to Max about what we were doing next. And then like, I don't know, we'd go and stretch out or like uh, have a little training session. And like, we were all, I feel like we did the hot tub and the snowboarding, but even that's like in the hot tub or in the, in the volcanic springs, <laughs> we were always talking about what we needed to do. I reckon like it, it, which was really good, but it still didn't, I reckon that's why we had such a big come down. Cause it was just like, what are we doing? Yeah, it was no, like, no rest. Yeah. I, I don't know how many hours we spent on magic seaweed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. looking at forecast yeah. and wind and. And no, I'm trying to figure out what was possible with cars and like the helis and everything. It's like, it we got to get this person to pick us up. We need to go here. We need like, what was, was crazy, did it? It was, what was really cool was like going to Max with a challenge who owns the, the yeah. lodge and going, Hey. We need a <laughs> snowmobile and a boat in the chopper for three days. And he's like, thinks about it. He's like, yeah, done. Yeah. He's like, I can do that for sure. Just seeing him work there was like, yeah. it's incredible. The boat, he like picked up the phone yeah. and it's like, yeah, we got a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like, we haven't even touched on it yet, but like we, had, we were there for two months and like the lady was saying, we're always doing something like either we're surfing, filming, planning. That whole two months, like in the background, that situation was obviously going on with Russia and Ukraine. So like we were constantly talking to people at home and talking to family, talking to the embassy. And like that, I think did take a toll on all of us, whether we like, we knew it or not, because we were like constantly on edge. Like there was times when Luke, the producer was like, Hey, like potentially you guys will have to leave like tomorrow or the next day. Like, so we were always thinking about that. And then when we were all there for the reason of making this project, it was kind of hard to like, when that stuff's going on to like focus, like all your energy on yeah there's always a little bit just in the background that that's that's distracted by the potential of either having to bail or you know we were almost booking flights after a month like Like, i forgot about that like there was that wait period where shit hit the fan and like you had calls being like let's wrap it up and then we had people being like hey pack a bag and get your stuff ready in case like you need to get out of there because 
I think Dubai and Abu Dhabi were potentially going to shut off from Russia. So there was a few days where it was like right on the edge of whether we need to get out of there quickly. And we had like plan A, B, C, D and E to get out. But yeah, like Sven was saying, that took a big toll. Like you're trying to make this story and tell this, you know, an adventure surf trip and then this going on in the background. And like, there was definitely a few days where there was tension between us because Again, like none of us knew what to do or how to like navigate the situation. So it was, it was really. And you're carrying, yeah, you're carrying the burden or, or the, the emotion, not only of yourself in that situation, but family members, right? That are, yeah. and like you say in the film, it's like, it's, it's a loving father and then you go, but, and then it cuts, right? Yeah. So I completely understand what you mean by there's like, there's influence. And when you trust those people that you influence, Completely. like how, it seems like that that was quite a challenge for yourself, right? As, as a, probably one of the bigger challenges. How do you, again, how did you process that mentally in order to stay or say, I'm going to stay in order to go, you know what, we're all in, we're doing this. Like what was that decision or process like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think just having trust in like all three of these guys, Lukey and the team that we were with in Kamchatka and just knowing how far we were away from everything. That's what got me through that whole thing. But I mean, getting messages from family ones saying, come home now, this is like, so I've never had that before. Um, and there was this whole thing of like having to, you know, kind of mediate with them and then like, while still trying to do your thing. So like Spenny said, it caused a, a lot of, you know, stress the whole time. Um, but I completely get where they were coming from as well. Like imagine being at home and having, you know, like it'd be so hard if you put it in their shoes. So I get it. But it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Yeah. And, and we definitely don't want to say that there's a shift of like a, a projection of emotion from people that love us. But, you know, there's those times where, you know, you, you, the sons and daughters have gone off and expanded their, you spread their wings, expanded their you know, experience that have been gnarly things like climbing K2 or going to war as an example. Right. And it's just an, an I guess, an indication as to how much we are loved, but the, I guess the decision, like we said at the start, the fortune favors the brave. It's like, yeah, we can turn, turn back, but, and then it's like you say in the film, but then it's over or yeah, you know what? Like you're right guys, we could stay, but like, I, I need to get back with my family. And then you get back and you realize there's that regret that oh, just yeah. there, it just sits in the back of your mind for the rest of your life where you're like, what if? Like, like Spen and Guy said before, like, I don't think we were going to leave unless we really had to. I think we knew, like, once we got to Kamchatka and we saw that place and saw how isolated it was and, like, how incredibly beautiful it was, I think it would have taken those airports shutting down to, for us to go, okay, we've actually got to go. And with that, how many plans we had to, of what, if, so, you know, something happened, how we get out of there. Like, when you have all those things, it settles you for sure, or, or for me it did. So, like, yeah, and then... Uh, yeah, which goes down to, to show that, you know, the team that you put together, you know, it was, was the preparation allowed the execution, which allowed you to kind of enjoy it for as much as you could. For sure. You know, if you do get stuck in the Northeast of Russia, like you're not on, like you said, you're not on your own, you're not candlelist, you're not in the middle of Alaska doing things, you know, with hook and hook and knife and that you've got people, you've got solid crew, you've got obviously comms if you can. So the Russia crew really did. I think give you that sense of, well, no matter what goes on, we've yeah. got safety here. I remember I had one, we had one night where it was probably the, the height of all the, the 
chaos that was going on. And I, I kind of just took Max aside and I just said, hey, we're, we're all stressing. Like, we're all really worried. And then he just like kind of just sat me down. He's like, your safety is like our number one priority. So he's like, you guys are fine. And he's like, we're constantly checking the situation. We're constantly assessing everything. They're, they're like, yeah, he travels around the world and he, know, he knows the global news. He knew the situation, everything that was happening. So um, hearing him say that, I think really kind of, that was like a bit of a turning point. We're just like, oh, it's cool that they've got our backs. And like, and then they were just like, let's, he's like, do you want to make this project? And we're like, yeah, we want to do it. He's like, well, you got two months here. So yeah, let's do it. That was a and huge turning point. Yeah, and he was, he was like being, he was like, after that, after the first few surf troops, when he saw the saw how much it meant for us and then saw the value of doing it for it and like everything that's going on like and then yeah like like the quality was cool but he's worked with like he worked with travis rice's fourth base and like like he works with some of the best snow athletes in the world like so it was pretty cool that he just like kind of saw the value in this surf film and like jumped on and believed in us and so yeah getting him on board was something that was really impressive for me it's like how do you how do you pitch a project like this that has never really been done in terms of surfing and how do you pitch it that so much so that he's like yeah i mean i mean i'm involved and keen how, how did you get him on board uh i basically went on like a i sent an introduction message that we got translated into russian and it just said my name's spencer frost filmmaker from australia we want to come to kamchaka is there waves can you help us pretty much simple as that translated into russian sent it to like 20 people on instagram and then um Anton, the local surfer, was got back to me. And from the start, like the first Zoom call we all had with him, he was just like, you can tell he was on and just like such a character. And then the other person, Anton introduced us to Max and then Max, we found out was the same guy who ran all the logistics for, yeah, Travis's film. And he's done like BBC, Nat Geo, all types, all types of stuff. He's got the helicopters, snowmobiles, boats, guides. Like basically having him on was just like, we were set up to success basically. You just have to had to find ways, which we, which they were like amazing snow guys and they'd been in those mountains for like 30 plus years, but they weren't surfers apart from Anton. So it was a little bit hard. That was like a whole nother beast of a logistical nightmare trying to like Fraser, Fraser, you were telling a Russian helicopter pilot where to land, where it was like a left point break. Drawing, in the had to draw it in the snow, like sit there with him and go, okay, so this is what the headland looks like. We need to get here to like see this wave to have like a vantage point. And ultimately I got it wrong because we should have landed in the other bay, but I mean, none of us knew. Yeah. So, I mean, we got, we kind of got close, but then we had to like look through Spen's long lens and it was, yeah. Isn't that crazy? That lot it going on. Just there. Yeah. I mean, we on the other fucking side. And then at the end, Max goes, oh yeah, no, we could have landed. Yeah. Sure. I was like, oh, that would have been really nice. How could have? So you've got an incredible team that you've put together. You've got uh, like, obviously your talent as well. Um, there's moments in that film that, again, that are breathtaking, not only just the, the talent on, on the waves and stuff and how it's captured, but I think as a holistic, as you're talking about your team, you know, you've got your color, you got Lukey's on the edit, like incredible job on that edit. Your brother's on the sound, that soundtrack again, premium. Are these, how, how do I want to ask this question? It's like, the confidence coming out of the first team, because obviously when you've got your brother on that one as well, yeah. what kind of, uh, at the end of this particular process, when you're in the edit and you've got it, the sound and the colors all done, what was the experience like for you as the maker 
to sit there and see this compared to both because your first film is obviously your first film it's your like your baby and 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 again but then this thing's the beast so is it what was the experience like was it a different experience coming to to see the final product um for you i think this one just took so much more out of like all of us and like like it wouldn't have been possible without like with me and guy was saying like collaboration on this one was like the biggest part of everything because we had like there's probably a hundred people, maybe more, that in some way helped make this project happen. Like all the guides over there, like just all of us, like all the sponsors, everyone that we're asking for, like just yeah, help and information. And um, so many people came together to help us. And a lot of them just kind of believed in what we were doing and jumped on the project. So, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, the first one was just like us, the three of us just having a punt and going on a surf trip. And it ended up being something probably like, bigger than we thought it would ever be but yeah this one's just was such a bigger beast big budgets like yeah obviously we're going to a place that no one had been before so like a lot of risk um and yeah i think yeah this one's they're both amazing in their own ways to look back on and i would like to kind of i was saying to the boys I'd, i haven't watched it in probably like a year so i'd love to sit down and watch the first one and then maybe even watch the second one after and yeah start planning the next one Yes, please. I watched the first one the other night. Did you? Did you? Yeah. First one. Just, I just can't believe how much of a, like, we just had such a pun. It was such a pun. We had no idea what we were doing. And if, if you think about the, I guess, in comparison, let's say like an Art of Flight, like a Curtis Mormon film, there's five or six like red cameras on the snow there. There's, there's two guys on the heli following along. You guys had three cameras, maybe two at any one time. To capture that, quality of image it's a testament to your skill obviously in the planning the preparation but ultimately it's a, it's a testament to like you just said the preparation and the teamwork that goes into saying this is what we want are we all in yep are we all in yep like as i said the outcome of this film is 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 phenomenal phenomenal and i know you guys are going to hear that over and over and over again but I guess for the three of you guys, what was the big difference that you took from, or the learning experience that you took from the first film, the le- and that you took into this film, and did that learning experience work, or did it play out? Was there something that you took from the experience from the first one? Maybe we're going to all answer this in our in our own way, because I think it'll all be pretty different. But I think for me, um, well, I I just learned how to take photos on the last trip, pretty much. So that was very much a passion thing for me, and. That was kind of led me into a photography career in a way. So I learned so much from that trip. I think like how to shoot in the cold, what gear you need. I think survival, we spoke about this the other day, like we were fully punting on that trip and a lot went wrong. And I think when you're in those climates, like there's a pretty fine line between like being brave and being stupid. And I think we were very lucky to get away pretty unscathed on that trip for sure. So I think going into this one, like the boys have already said, having the guides there and being like, hey, this is much bigger than just us. Like we need like a proper team on the ground there and just going, if we want to make this as good as it can be, can be, we need like, you know, a big team there. And like Sven said, collaboration being like the biggest teach for us on this. It's like, we don't have to do everything. And like the more people we get involved, the better it's going to be. And it's kind of like, in a way, it's like letting go of the ego and being like, it's not just us anymore. It's like a huge team. And like even Luke, our producer, like we couldn't have done it without him. It's just like adding kind of assets in a way to making this as good as it can be. But yeah, I think like storyline, like on the last one, we learned that it's like a mix of 
crazy cinematography and then also like human connection and like those raw moments because i think we found our last time like people love in a way us struggling or like making mistakes and learning from them and like because they they can relate and like a lot of people yeah can't relate to flying over a volcano in a helicopter but they can relate to letty crying because it's like a human connection so i think we wanted to bring that a lot into this trip and this story yeah. Okay. So, what about fun crying? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting there. That's, cool. <laughs> that's exactly. It. That's exactly where I was about to go. So, no, no, man. No, it was. This <laughs> so we've got you on the mic now. So, my, one of my good mates, uh, you and Donicky, is a former pro. Well, I think still pro bodyboarder. But when we lived together, he talked about a um, an experience at Chopu where he got held down twice, run over the reef, and he got into the bay and said. He just got onto the sand and just burst out in tears, like because that was it was that emotional experience that he couldn't hold that in on a positive, yeah. and in a, in a life threatening way. And in this particular case, you know, through that film, like you guys have expressed that really well, like exhausted, nothing left in the tank. Can, can I don't know if you can recall it, but I'm interested to hear the moment Anton says he sees you on your board and it goes boing, like pretty much where you get dumped, you know on your longboard to the moment you fall onto the sand what's the process like in your mind does it go through like we said worst case what are you it was a just complete survival can you run through how that felt in a in a play-by-play yeah so it was i guess initially yeah we landed on the beach in the helicopter fraser had seen this wave out the window and we're all tripping that this wave even existed like in the far east of kamchaka that we'd found it like even that in a sense was like you know, mission complete in a way. We'd found a way that no one had ever surfed before. Well, and that's I guess mankind, 60,000 years, no one has ever been and done what you did. Yeah. Ever. Like, it was it was trippy. Like, we're all... And I think our... For me, definitely, my heart rate had gone for, like, another 11. was like... I was like, okay, I want to shoot water because we could get, like, some of the craziest shots ever. But then it was also, like, it's negative 15 or whatever it was and one to two degree water and you're paddling a kilometre out to sea. So it's kind of weighing up whether that was a good idea and then anton said he had a 10 foot longboard in the helicopter and he's like why don't you swim out on that and then shoot off um the male in the channel and i was like okay i'll do that and i was a bit lagging setting setting on my camera and stuff with the boys so they'd already paddled out and then i don't know if you can recall in the video but the shore break was like pretty oh. gnarly like it was i don't know six to eight Chunky foot and ugly. Shorey, like but was, like on boulders like it wasn't like Emble beach it was like these big boulders that wouldn't lose like yeah, so edge. So it took, I don't know how long it, it took. It looked like a mini avalanche. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was not, it was eight foot. Yeah. So I guess like from the start, it was like I was already pretty on edge. It's like I had a 10 foot log, a camera with my 7200, so a big long lens in there. It's probably a few kilos. Mm. And then trying to navigate my way out through an eight foot shore, it was like already a challenge in itself. So yeah. I finally got out the back maybe 20 minutes or so later. And then Fraser got like a psycho first one. And then I don't know how long I was shooting for, maybe like half an hour or so, but yeah. Letty got another one. And then there was like these rogue sets that would come through every now and then. And I was struggling to kind of find the sweet spot because there's a really strong current sucking you into the impact zone. And then at one point, yeah, Anton just yelled out like, sad. And I saw these big lines coming. I don't, I don't remember not moving. <laughs> I thought I started Maybe to it looked like you didn't move. Yeah, You're trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just remember going like, you know that, I'm sure you've had in the surf, there's like a big set and you're like, oh, I'm not going to make it under this. Like, and it's you kind of pause and go, do I stay where I am or do I try and clear? And I, I can't even remember, to be honest. Like, I think it cleaned me up and I remember being underwater and I was just like, don't let go of my camera. 
done like over the log was like it was a 10 foot log so it was dragging you really far through the inside and once water gets inside your wetty like you're literally gasping gasping for air like the boys described it's like the worst brain freeze ever and when that's happening over and over and over and like you're literally grubbing your face and just being like fuck like it's on like, end. you can't move yeah. you actually can't yeah. move we i spoke about it the other day with someone's like you know when you're in the ice bath and you kind of like have that safety of going i can get through this yeah. but i know i can get out whenever i want it's like you don't have that yeah. it's like you have to get through it. and i think i just started to panic and it's like i got pushed pretty far through the inside and my leggy at one point i was kind of out of the impact zone so i was safe but my leggy got caught on a rock and i kept trying to get the leash off because i was like fuck this longboard like i need to get rid of this thing and i couldn't because it was like had those big mitts on and i was trying to get my hand in through the like the the calf but i couldn't get it in because the mitts were too thick and i think i just started to like panic and panic and panic more and more and then eventually got pushed out into the channel on the other side and it's probably i don't know two k's away from the helicopter at this point yeah, so far. you had to paddle back out it was so, so every time you fell off you got washed through this impact zone and then you spat out on the other side of the bay and you have to paddle all the way around it's around the back because there are these weird ledges and like yeah, and, and it's like pushing that way it's not that big closeouts down down from the peak and stuff like it was gnarly. yeah yeah it was it was gnarly just yeah i i was there was like two parts one i was like super exhausted and bummed and the other part of me was like we found a wave and i fucked it shooting it like a blown my opportunity so there's like one part of me is like in survival mode and the other's like you've blown this so hard it was like the inner critic so i was battling between like exhaustion and inner critic like you know you're not good enough the boys have probably got psycho waves and you're fucking struggling on the inside dying and then eventually i don't know how long another 10 or 15 minutes paddle out the back and so you sorry to drop you going through that inner critic while you're getting rinsed yeah, yeah. while i'm getting in yeah so it's almost like your mind went into a potential distractive mode but not necessarily one that was supportive it's like i'd and I speak for me and Spanny here, we've never put so much effort into a trip before, ever, into a project, not a trip. And I think we both had visions of capturing a wave that had never been surfed before. And that was my goal to get like the craziest shot ever. And same with Spanny, like get these crazy images of a place that's never been shot. And when I had that opportunity, like something I've worked so hard on and then kind of blown it, or like, you know, I've learned, in a way now I can look back and reflect and go, and that was like one of the biggest lessons for me in this photography realm. But at the time I was like, and fuck this. So there was like survival and inner critic, like those two. And eventually I made it back out for the boys and Letty looked at me and he was like, dude, like, you, like where have you been? Like, are you okay? And I just kind of like, I'm, I'm okay, but I wasn't like, I was struggling and I'd been cramping. And then from the beach, we saw the pilots like light up a flare and it was time to go. There was a storm coming in, I think. And once I said, you see that you guys need to come in immediately. And the tide was like ripping out. So the current was just like dragging us out the sea. Insane, like snap a current. Like it, it was insane. It was so hard to get in. Completely. Like, yeah, like so hard. Yeah. It was the gnarliest current I've ever been in by a mile. And for us too, like, and we were just sitting there, like we didn't get smoked. We didn't have like a big, I don't know, whatever, 10 kilo camera and low board. Like, and we were still struggling to get in. And I like, think like trying to balance a camera housing which is the most awkward shape ever yeah yeah like in the center point of a longboard while you paddle it's like would have to be one of the most frustrating things in the world and i think letty letty all myself realized how like rinse you actually got yeah and then and then so you guys were probably a 
we all started paddling in together and then I was struggling, like going so slowly because I was just completely exhausted. Like I'd never been to that breaking point before. I was like, I actually don't know how to keep going. And the boys were probably, I don't know, a few hundred meters in front of me and Letty looks yeah. back and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like what he, cause he didn't really know what was going on. And then he eventually paddled back out to me. He's like, dude, what, what's going on? And I was like, pretty much had tears in my eyes and I was like, dude, I'm, I'm fucked. Like, I don't know if I can make this. Cause we thought he was cold. Like we had no clue what had happened. Like no clue. Mm. But yeah, eventually Letty helped me in. We navigated the shore. I got to the beach and just collapsed and started crying. My finger was like, yeah, a mix of everything that day. But you saw it, it was like very um, raw and real. And Well, yeah, 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 it has to. The emotion has to get out because you're holding it in, in that, in that experience, you know, like fighting. Fighting, yeah, yeah you're battling. Um, and it's just that natural way. I mean, as I said, um, Jen, my ex, was when she snapped her arm in half at the snow, we spent six hours in the back of a car while it was bobbling all the way back to Sydney and it, across the Hume Highway all the way home for six hours, no painkillers, nothing. It was just a snapped arm because she couldn't do this. And there's that moment where like you get home and it's like, oh, that sigh. And it's like, it just has to come out because you've been holding it in so much, but it's real and it's natural. I'm, the inner critic thing, we, when you get on that beach and you let that out, was there any of that? Did you let any of that go? Nah. You still got it? Uh, I'm, ju I'm still getting over it. I remember seeing a shot Max got. So Max is also an amazing photographer at the guide. So he got this crazy shot of Fraser and my ego was just like so bruised. Cause it was like, again, I've missed this opportunity to get this crazy shot. And I was, I'm so aware that was all ego, but like for nights I was just journaling. Like we'd get back to the cabin and I'd just like, wouldn't be able to sleep. And I was journaling cause I was just like so upset with myself. And I was like, you know, I'm looking at my idols like Jimmy Chin or Chris Burke and I'm like, they wouldn't have blown that opportunity. So it was just like, I reckon they wouldn't. I reckon, I reckon they've done that a million and, times. And but. now it's like, I know that. And it's like, yeah. and I, I don't love going through that, but that will be the biggest teacher of my career by a mile. That moment has been my biggest teacher for sure. Like so without a doubt. And I had the, the hard decision of checking if my mate's okay, cause he's dying or film it for the movie we played god you yelled it i just saw yeah i saw him coming in and i just had like, i had his i had my little camera and i just said i said are you okay and he just like shook his head and i just had my camera on my hip and just yeah. let it roll and i the, that i think that take in the film is like two minutes or so like and we haven't really cut well maybe one cut or so but we've just let it be as raw and real as it was and um yeah i think it after all like the success and the boys get flogged and they make a few and it's like holy shit we found this wave it just like snaps everyone back to reality of like where we are and how gnarly it can get and, and as you said that's that is the reality of of wild places right that the lessons and things like that and you might go out with expectations of doing xyz or having these big visions of whatever it might be but ultimately like we said before you're at the mercy of of what nature's willing to give you last day disappointment didn't get the yeah. get back at it but it's I think that for me would shift my expectation of the next trip to be rather than set something that may not exist or may not or cannot exist. What can we control that can exist and then let nature present its magic to me. That's a little bit more as, as you do with the imagination, you know, like, because if there's expectation, there's no appreciation. And I think in that moment, you know, it's a lesson that you learn that you hopefully take with you. And it's, you know, it's, I think you say that you get there, you're like, this was quite disappointing. You take a breath and then you say, but you know what? Like, and it 
comes into that state of appreciation. So it's that lack of expectation on that other end of the spectrum that for someone like yourself, who we've talked quite deeply about a lot of stuff, someone who has so much talent, so much skill. And, you know, as we said, when you go to these remote places with the skills that you have, you're going to become these guys that you emulate, you know, the chins, the guys that everyone's like Burkhard's like, you're going to put your name in that, in that bag real soon. No doubt about it. Like these guys will back that up. It's just that, are you going to enjoy it when you get there or are you still going to keep chasing that elusive, like that imposter yeah. thing, you know? And I think, and the reason I bring it up is because hopefully when people listen or watch this, it's like, well, I'm, I'm dealing with that myself, imposter syndrome. How do I get rid of it? You know? And again, these are lessons that you're helping people as we go on. These are lessons that asking young filmmakers, it's like, what did you learn on this particular trip that, you know, someone who's, who's coming through that wants to go wild, that wants to do something crazy, wants to have a big vision... How do I do it, Spenny? Like, what would you give them in terms of the advice? Uh, I think, yeah, I think we tapped on it before, but I think just letting go of like a little bit of the ego and collaboration and just like, it's not just about me. It's not just my project. Like if we're going to need it to do a project this big, we needed to enlist a whole bunch of people in all kind of different walks of life to, to do it. And then yeah, just, just knowing like, if I'm not the best at something, get someone else to do it so like for like the color grade or the editing i was like all these things that i can do to like a bit of a level but it's like get the experts get the best and find the money and make it happen because we didn't we didn't want to cut any corners with this like we we went to russia for two months and made a film like we want to come back and kind of just yeah yeah, cut corners and skimp out when it gets to like the nitty-gritty so like yeah definitely the biggest thing and i'm still learning and it's always like sometimes a bit of a tough kill to swallow to kind of bring in heaps more people to a project. Um, but I think in the end, it's like everyone's in it for the, the right reasons. And yeah. That's how you pick your team, right? Yeah. You make sure you get the right people with the right ethos. Yeah. Again, unity of values. We talked about that at the start. The idea is that if you've got the best of the best in what they do, you're going to have all, like that table's full of the best. You're not just picking little bits off people. It's like a full table full of it. Yeah. And then you, you can sort of feed off of that as much as you need to because all that energy is going to create something greater because of the quality of, of the team, you know, and you even read like the Dowdy Ching, they talk about like the best leaders the you know, once the, the task is completed, the people think they did it themselves, you know, and that's one of the things that a great leader does is, is he, is he employs or, or, or collaborates with people, empowers them to that moment where they go, I get to express my own creative expression and my own self in this piece, like Lukey or your brother or Tim or whatever it is, yeah. these guys in their way. And then the leader stands back and goes, look what you guys did. And they're like, yeah, we did it, right? But you're the guy who's, who's led the team. That's yeah. what a great leader does. So good team on this one. So for young guys specifically, it's like get a team, right? It's the same thing with a band, a band of musicians. You get a good team together. If you can put people together that have the same vision, the same love for what they do for one another, hopefully, you're going to come out with something that's amazing or at least the experience is going to be life-changing, you know, and you probably get both if you get it right, you know. Um, well, I think that in terms of what I was going to ask in terms of all that stuff, for me, probably the last question I will ask would be, because you're all in the water, sea life, sea lions, sharks, what's happening? Like, is there any thought in your head that it's like black water over there? Yeah. yeah. There was there was nothing there were sea otters there were heaps of sea otters yeah like at, at one of the waves which was sick and they'd all like come and sniff us out and then there was one sea lion one day that was because a few gnarly. sea lions they're big and like yeah kind of 
Because all the all the sea otters they they're like too scared to come up individually, yeah. so they come up in like groups of ten or twenty. Yeah. It's so funny. They're just like these little little like greagles that pop out of the water. They're so cute. They're on their back, but they're so inquisitive because obviously they've never seen like people surfing there. And they're like, what's this? And then like between that, you just see these big heads of like these scare, scary seals that just like pop up. And you're like, oh boy, I hope that doesn't come close to like crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then, and then what else? Like, I think the orcas just, they don't come, knacks and stuff were saying they just don't come into the herds. They kind of just sit. Yeah. Yeah. Different season. Same with, the, same with brown bears. They were just waking up as we were leaving. Brown yeah. Max, Max was saying that like 10, 10 people in this, in the city of Kanchaka, like die a year from bear attacks. No, it wasn't at one. No, I think it was there's a lot of bears there. There's a lot of bears. Summer's got There's like attacks in the city. Like yeah. yeah. Summer's like another world of yeah. life over there. You've got brown bears. I know sharks do come in in the summer when the, the salmon run. You've got lava. Yeah. yeah. More lava because it's not all frozen. Orcas. Like frozen over. Yeah. There's some crazy shit happens in summer. We should probably get back. I'm kind of glad we went in with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't want to be dealing with yeah. freaking megalodon bears. <laughs> don't they set up like an electric fence? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, they get uh, Alexi to sit there for like 48 yeah. hours on air. So, like, yeah. Legit. Yeah. 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 One of the guys who helped us, like Max was saying. Guy who draws the boat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Alexi. He, who's missing a, his pinky. Is it? Yeah. Or no, this one. And um, he'll just stay up all night watching over the can with like a gun or something and just smoking ciggies. So good. So How yeah, like well, crazy yeah, different. Well, but just like, he told us that like, this guy is the best bloke ever. It's so funny. He didn't speak a word yeah, of Russian, word. but like, he, what, sorry, I'm, I'm of English. Yeah, good for gun. Yeah. Um, but when we were in that boat, like you, and like in that area, like you just feel so safe around him. Like you can tell he's just been doing it his entire life. And like, there was something about him. It's pretty cool. Well, um, one of the things, or the first time I met you, laddie, was on the headland at Av, and you were coming out of surf with a Grom. And, yeah. and I remember you were, you were coaching him. I was like, hey, bro, like, hey, man, and just give me a sec. And then you were just teaching him about what he was doing in the surf and just engaged. Like, there was no distraction. It was completely there. And one of the things that I think everyone loves about this film is, is that moment where you guys all connect with the, the Groms mm. in Russia, mm. right? And like... You could have gone through that whole thing and gone, no, nah, we're focused. We're doing our thing. When, but I, I, knowing these guys particularly, it would have been like any opportunity to, to express and to explore and to, and to give back. Like specifically to Anton, who's such a great character in this film, is like yeah. a legend. But the kids, you know, like I, I, what I loved about it and what we kind of want to sign off of is what sur literally you guys just introduced them to surfing. That was their first time, these three No, they, they'd, they'd surf, done it before. They'd surf, yeah, through Anton Surf Camp. Yeah. I thought surf they might have because a couple of them actually stood yeah, up. Yeah, no, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Hey, what? Yeah. But that, what is, like, for you guys, on the deepest level, like, what does surfing mean to you? Like, I, mean, I know it's it's what you do for a livelihood. It allows you to travel. But what what is the essence for you? I think it's just that sense of connection. Like we connected with those kids on a on a deeper level than like language, because obviously we couldn't speak to each other. <laughs> and you just share this like same feeling and uh, like energy, and it's, it was really really cool. And I think like surfing just enables you to do that. It's like a language spoken without words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, it's great. You can like not know someone, and like with those grums, we didn't know them, and you can just like go surf and have a laugh. And then you get out of the water and you're like best mates, you know? 
So, but yeah, I, what do you say? What surfing? Yeah, it's just is the depth of. I mean, that that to me explains. Yeah. I think that's yeah. Pretty, I get yeah connections, people like how many people we've met from yeah. from from surfing and from we're this still project. touring the film now. And we're meeting yeah. like hundreds of people in a night, and was everyone's just pumped on yeah sharing what we've done and hopefully inspiring people and yeah get people frothing. But I think like yeah with those kids like. We were on that trip and like every day we were just like, boom, boom, boom. Like, where are we surfing? What are we doing? Which, the helicopter are we getting? Blah, blah, blah. So that, that moment of the trip was like, we just all just like chilled out and we're like, it was good to just kind of just relax for a day and like take these grom surfing. And like, yeah, I think the boys kind of really appreciated and kind of brought it back to like, what it's all we, about. Why are we doing it? Why yeah. we surf? And it's like, it's not all about like finding that wave and doing this crazy trip, which is why we were there. But it was cool to just like, yeah. Yeah, kind of smack just back to reality. Perspective. Just surfing. And also just seeing what Anton had created. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Full surf pub out of absolutely nothing. Well, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. In like the furthest corner of the earth that you can yeah. go, so. Turn that plug. Full of us in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, one of the most remote places all of us have been, I think we'll agree. And there's, he's teaching kids to surf. And yeah. we surfed on like the East Coast in Sydney, Australia there in the east coast of russia like so different and it's just the same so the same yeah on surfing that's right yeah it's, 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 it's you connecting to that that connection of the of the wave or, or the hit in the pocket or the smile that you get when you land something do yeah, something yeah, yeah. seeing your mates froth and like that's what it's about right yeah. and, and the reason i think you guys are so in tune and the success of this film is, is as monumental as it is is because it was meant to be the fortune that you, you guys are going to expect because of the bravery the courage and the depth of why you guys do this thing, the, the, the truth or the authenticity is that it is what makes you guys who you are. The, the quality of you guys is obviously the same as the quality of the, of the actual surfing. So for me, as I said, from a guy who's seen it twice from, and, and loved it and we'll see it again, um, I'll rip it off Napster or wherever I can find <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> um, but an experience that for us and, and, and hopefully for you guys too, that it's, it's one of those experiences from mate to a mate that just shows you that you are at that level that, that you so desire. Now, I mean, you guys specifically, it's, it's one of those things that for me was, it was, like you said, there's really no words for it other than just extraordinary. Extraordinary. And um, we, we want to thank the, your sponsors. We'll put all those names up for getting behind the project. Um, namely, Project Blake was a big one. Um, but uh, for all of those guys who make this happen and for you guys, thanks for delivering what you did and keen for the next one. Don't let us know, but we'll, we'll have another interview coming. when that comes. It's coming. Thanks. Thanks, Dom and us. Really appreciate us. Thanks, Dom. The episode that you've just listened to is brought to you by MapZone Talent Ascension Program. It is the innovative three-tier coaching program in which you receive exclusive membership to the Map Basecamp, which is our online app, a weekly goal-setting session, a weekly empower workshop, and you can elect to have one-to-one mindset and performance coaching as well. Now, the Talent Ascension program is a complete game changer for those who want to achieve big in 2022 and beyond. So if this sounds like something that you want to bring to your life to achieve your dream, to bring your vision to fruition, right? Reach out via a DM on Instagram at maplife, that's M A P underscore L I F E, or via email simon at maplife, that's double P.com.